Welcome in to UGA Sports Live, our last show before August is here, and that means fall football season. Jim Donnan joins as he always does. That's why you're all here to hear the expertise from the former Georgia head coach. I'm Dane Young with UGA Sports. Coach, this is kind of a unique week in the sense that SEC Media Days is the kind of kickoff of what is the stretch to that first game, but we don't have fall camp yet. That starts next week. You've been there. You've been a coach in this time period. What is the feeling as a coach knowing that this is all really ramped up beginning next week? You know, the one thing that's really uh, good is the fact that the the coaches have had a chance to uh, be with their families and take some time off. And uh, now everybody's gotten back and hopefully uh, ready to rock. But uh, a little bit different, which we always quantify, in the fact that these players are here now all summer. So the coaches have been around them and uh, it's not like, you're going to see them for the first time uh, on uh, next week. Uh, they've been here, you know, they took a little bit of time off in May. But uh, what they'll do this week is uh, just kind of go go over the injury report, uh, the conditioning with uh, uh, Scott Sinclair about how the guys have uh, acclimated to that. And uh, they have a kind of a walkthrough of everything they're going to do as far as the actual uh, practice procedures, where everybody goes, uh, go over their drills, uh, equipment needed, is everything gotten in that they ordered. Uh, and it's just kind of a checklist. Uh, they'll have the equipment man in there, and he'll talk about some of his issues, the trainer, the ticket manager. I mean, it's just kind of a review of everything. And then uh, a little bit different at the end of the week, they're going to have some kids in here for one more camp to uh, try out some 2025 kids and uh, just to solidify some of the 2024 guys, there'll be some of them in that have committed and maybe somebody that hasn't made an official visit, but uh, just kind of see them one more time when you can really uh, most of them be unofficial visits, but I think they call it a cookout. They have a, you know, a lot of fun out there and, uh, hang out together one more time. And then uh, I think the players will be off for a couple of days, like Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, and then report back. And then they move in the, uh, in the hotel the, on campus there for several days. We don't have two a days like we used to, it's just one practice and the walkthrough, but, uh, and then school will be starting pretty quickly. So uh, they'll have to uh, move out and move in their permanent housing. One thing that's come up, which I think is really good by the NCA, I can't give them much love, but they've come up with a deal that now used to be, you know, we know we can have 85 scholarship players and you can have 110 on your squad for for your pre-fall camp. And then uh, once the school starts, you can have the 125. So uh, now they're going to say that they, you can have because of COVID and because of guys – transporting out in the uh, transfer portal and all that, they're going to let you start out with 120. And it seems like a lot for the everybody, but once you get a few guys heard and you're trying to go two groups at a time, that extra 10 is going to be very beneficial to them. And you think about some of the guys that are injured going into fall camp, Smile Munden, you're not going to see him out there practicing. Same with Branson Robinson. When you have guys that are injured and they can't make the physical progress other than recovery, what do you look for in them in fall camp? Is it just mentally if they're present and they're trying to help their teammates? 
you know, it's not good to be heard here because I promise you they don't take it easy on them. I mean, uh, the, we've seen uh, the, the people that have been to scrimmages or been to uh, practices. Those guys are with the uh, trainers in the end zone doing all kind of rehab, doing push-ups, sit-ups, uh, anything they can do if that doesn't require their legs. Riding a bicycle, uh, it's a stationary bike, but uh, they they put on full pads and have to go through the mental anguish of being out there in the heat. So they don't uh, they don't take off from that standpoint. And then they uh, they're all around the whole time uh, taking notes, going over the script, getting a mental rep. So uh, it's a really good way we treat the injured players as far as keeping them involved and standing in line and watching their, their uh, other players do it. So, unless they're just totally, in, you know, incapacitated. I'm not trying to paint this as a doom situation. They don't, they don't shoot being hurt, but uh, sometimes they're better off in the training room getting extra stuff to do, to do uh, on the rehab. So it just depends individually. But in the case of Small and Branson, they'll be out there. It's just they won't be doing uh, – any kind of team activities right away. And I know you want Brock Bowers in bubble wrap from now until maybe the South Carolina game at this point. <laughs> yeah, you always worry as a coach about your, everybody getting hurt, but your stars, it just uh, – to lose a good player uh, that is among the best in the country and an injury in practice is just devastating. But uh, – and, uh, you know, I would mention it before, we lost – uh, boss Bailey on the first kickoff of the year against Georgia Southern uh, torn ACL. But, you know, uh, injuries are going to happen, but uh, Brock knows how to protect himself and the players are good about, you know, helping each other out as far as not taking uh, unnecessary shots at people that uh, I, I really like the way we practice. Everybody understands that you're going to go full speed, but, you got a chance to pull off there at the last second. You pull off. Uh, There's no no advantage there. You're a former quarterback. You've called plays. You coached Mike Bobo. You hired Mike Bobo. What is his task in looking at what these quarterbacks will be doing during fall camp? No starter has been named. I think there's a presumption that Carson Beck uh, is, is in the lead and in the catbird seat for that. But when you see these three guys out there, what do you look for as a coach, as a play caller, and what they're going to be doing this fall? Well, number one, you want to get across to everybody that you're going to be as fair as you can and, and try to spread it out. But at the same time, uh, Carson deserves the first shot at it, and uh, there's going to be some intermingling there. But really, uh, Mike's a very thorough coach, does a great job of uh, uh, in the uh, film room. Uh, teaching the players what he wants, and then they do good drills out there that are that the ones that they can uh, help you be a better player. I, I think I watch some of these high school kids practice. I'm really impressed with what they do as far as getting them ready for the game. And then some others, I, it looks like you're just doing busy work out there, and you're not really getting a lot accomplished. So you need to to make sure that everything you do mentally is going to help your quarterback avoid. A, a bad play. Uh, that's the way we play here around our defense. Uh, we don't have a lot of costly turnovers. We did have a bad turnover against uh, Ohio State, you know, where we had a missed route and uh, and Bennett threw the ball behind him. And when you don't put your team in harm's way, it's okay to have a turnover if it's on the other side of the 50, but 
always really stress with our players. We won't turn the ball over. We'll protect it at all costs on our side of the 50, make them go the long way and hard to do that against our defense. But Mike uh, is relaxed. Uh, he's, he's really enjoying the fact that first of all, he's a family man first and the fact that he's got his family with him in an environment where they know they're not going to be moving again and moved like three straight years. And that's tough on, high school age kids. He's also got his son playing for him and that's going to be nice too. But, uh, you know, and then his best friend's a head head coach. So uh, it's kind of, if you're not going to be the head coach, it's kind of a hunky dory situation for him. Going to be some outside heat from everybody making comparisons, but uh, I can tell you right now, he, he is very comfortable in his skin running that offense and he knows what to do with it. And, Man, oh man! I you watch this. Uh, we're, we're, this is a segue going into, but uh, I don't. And all the places I've ever coached uh, at Oklahoma, we did have a year where everybody on our O line except one guy was all conference. But preseason, the all conference, when you got eleven out of the twenty-two players, supposedly the best twenty-two players in the league on one team, uh, that speaks pretty highly of the kind of talent you got. Yeah, let me recap that real fast. So this was from SEC Media Days. Media members voted on this. Uh, Georgia players on the first team, all SEC, Lad McConkey, Brock Bowers, Amarius Mims, Tate Ratledge, Cedric Van Prance. That's five on the first team. Second team, Michael Williams, Nazir Stackhouse, uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson. Oh, wait a minute. They're first team. Oh, they're first team defense. You're right. You're right. This is first team defense. Thank you, Coach. This is why you keep me – this is first-team defense, Michael Williams, Nazir Stackhouse, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Javon Bullard, Malachi Starks, Kamari Lassiter. Um, and then on to, uh, no specialists for Georgia, although I think there's an argument there based on some punting that I saw last year from, uh, from the Aussie. Yeah, that, that guy from South Carolina has done well. But, you, you know, the, the, the overriding thing, we got Truss on their second-team offensive line. So you got four out of your five. But what's a, a, incredible – with Blasky and, and Ernest Green, uh, these these two guys are very capable of being all-conference. And Ernest Green might be potentially the best lineman on our team, but he's young, but he, he's just a beast out there. And uh, so uh, Van Pran, you know, deserves it. Uh, but to have four guys plus your tight end and one of your wide receivers, and we got two wide receivers that transferred – that made some all-conference teams last year in Ra Ra and Dominic uh, that are very capable too. So I'm I'm really ca- really careful about trying to put extra added juice on the situation, but it's pretty vivid that everybody recognizes what the talent level is. Kendall Milton's listed as a second-team all-conference, and he he's got the capabilities of being first-team, but. Smile Munden as well. I actually probably would have flip flopped and had Munden at second team and Pop on the third team, but it's so close. Yeah, I think that Smile might be a little bit more of a pro prospect at this point. But uh, you, you know, when you, the thing about the people that voted, you got to take this into account. There were eight people that voted Vanderbilt number one in the conference. So yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe this group we shouldn't get too excited about it, but. Uh, I don't think those people should be able to have credentials. I mean, even in your wildest dreams, if if they traded for a lot of players over the summer, I I just can't see how anybody in their right mind 
to pick Vanderbilt number one, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But kudos to Kirby, his staff, and the players. I, I like the fact that these guys are getting recognized. They're not worried about it, but uh, people see the talent there. And uh, and from the looks of what we got here now, the freshman class, which I've talked about, and the one we've just about to sign here, it's uh, not going to be a lot of uh, – deviation from what's going on, on talent level. Uh, Jalen Walker was third team all defense for all SEC. And then William Moat, the long snapper, third team specialist. So shout out to the specialist there. I agree with you on the Vandy votes, though, um, because that's just some people trying to make some jokes that aren't very funny. Um, so they, I agree on the credentials of that. Uh, but overall, just a, a great uh, – I think it's a testament to what Georgia's team is that if – Media doesn't know who to put in a spot. They tend to vote Georgia right now, just whoever fills that spot for Georgia. Yeah, and it didn't hurt Kamari going to the, uh, you know, on the uh, trip up there. Everybody sees that Kirby thinks he's a good player. So, I mean, uh, he's certainly deserving based on his ability too, but uh, hard not to pick those two safeties. I mean, they got to be among the best players in the country, those two. Yeah. Some of the best in the country for sure. If you want some of the best beer that you can find in the country, Academia Brewing Company is the place you can go in Athens. They've been a longtime supporter of what we do here at UGA Sports Time, uh, UGA Sports.com, right off of Atlanta Highway. I like that they have a great kitchen in there as well. Their flatbreads are phenomenal. But if you want to either watch a game there, maybe you uh, did some tailgating and you want to, on your way back to Atlanta, go watch a couple games after. Uh, Georgia in the fall, stop by Academia Brewing Company. You can order some beer there. You can buy some to take home and have uh, in your home fridge. Everyone has a garage fridge, right? I, I love Academia Brewing Company. Great food, great beer, and uh, big-time Georgia fans over there. So make sure you support Academia Brewing Company and everything they stand for. Coach, I know you've had the food over there as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, biggest decision I got to make is what to get because it's uh, it's hard not to – to get those brats. So, I mean, those are, you don't get brats like that anywhere, but, uh, that, that one sandwich, I can't right. He always pronounce it's it. It's the Cerberus. Yeah. You, you can take that one home with you and have enough for a couple more days. I mean, I couldn't eat all that, but, uh, I, I can tell you this, that eating is a little bit of a habit though, because the older I get, I, I can see how stupid I was the one, some of the meals I used to try to consume. And now, if you just eat in moderation, it's amazing how much better you feel. And eat, eat you know, I don't know how I lived so long eating all that fried food the first 50 years of my life, but uh, you got to mix it up a little bit, though. Got to be healthy for sure. If you're over by Academia Brewing Company, go check out the cars on the lot at Athens Ford. 446 vehicles available right now. They're getting more every day. I always talk about the Broncos because when I'm on the road, that's what I notice. And I nudge my wife and say, that, that's a good-looking vehicle right there. And uh, then when it's time for us to upgrade, I think we're going to go check out the Broncos ourselves. Uh, they are a longtime supporter of UGASports.com, including our UGA Sports Watch Along show, which will return for – is this the fourth season, Coach? I believe it will be. Uh, been doing it for a while now. We enjoy doing it. It's been a lot of fun, but we couldn't do it without, without Athens Ford. So go over there, check out their lot, and uh, tell them that you heard about them from us at ugasports.com. Coach, we've been doing this series where we discuss Georgia position groups as we go. 
And uh, we were going to do defensive backs last week, and we wanted to focus on SEC media days. So we're catching up on that this week. Uh, first of all, just overall with defensive back, how have you seen that position evolve uh, at Georgia under Kirby Smart? Because I know it was one of his priorities when he got here to get a little bit longer, a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical at that spot. That plus the numbers. I mean, it, it, that's the one position that you need more numbers than any, except maybe wide receiver because, you, you know, you're uh, taking – you got too deep at uh, not only uh, corner and safety, but we play the nickel too. So it's really 10 defensive backs that play a lot. And then you add the special teams that so many of them are on too. And uh, it's just uh, the the level of uh, – a play has been outstanding. The coaching is – you can't get any better than uh, Kirby and Muschamp and Fran Brown. I mean, they, they they really do a good job on technique. And I can't get it across to you any more than uh, – and as a fan that this is such a very talented league that you just can't rely on ability. You got to have technique and mental capacity and – because the other team has the players very capable, just like you. So your knowledge of how you're going to uh, execute your assignment and the technique you're going to use is going to be very, very good to uh, your very paramount to your success. So uh, I, I feel like that's been something that Kirby's really stressed is getting more numbers and keeping them. We've lost a few defensive backs that couldn't, couldn't cut it here or didn't want to stay here. We lost one to Florida that ended up starting. We got one out of Arkansas. Now we had one at Arkansas last year, one at Michigan State. But, you know, I think it's just a, a real uh, good group. <clears throat> and as I said in the spring, I think our secondary as a whole is going to be a lot more fluid, even though we played great except for, you know, the Ohio State game, but we were always ahead most of the time. I think this defense is really going to be stone cold G-A-T-A all the time. Some of these, it's for sure that they're more cornerback. Some are more for sure safety, but there's a lot of hybrid in here and some cross-training that happens. I think Georgia has some versatility. So let's keep that in mind as we go through here. This is not some nice and neat package of this is a corner, this is a safety. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I talked to Schumann and Muschamp about that, and every time you ask them who's a star or who's the dime or whatever it might be, they say, look, we'd like to cross-train and make sure that it's kind of like an offensive lineman. We used to talk about Salyer. He could play tackle, guard, and center. So if one of the, the fourth guy, the fifth guy went down, he could be the fifth guy right away to those other three positions because he was the best player. And that's what you do in a secondary. You don't want to put a guy in that's – that's uh, not as good as somebody else because he doesn't know how to play by that. I mean, somebody else, how to play that position. So most of our corners can play star. Most of our safeties can play uh, both safeties. And some of them can have the ability to play star and dime as Malachi showed last year. When we went to six DBs, Malachi moved up in a slot and played that position. Well, let's start with Malachi Starks, true freshman starter last year, returning second season, uh, expected to be a starter back there. Yeah, I think we, we all kind of jumped the gun there because he looked so good that everybody thought he was just uh, the next unreal player. He is that now, but he he, he has some, you know, has a tendency to 
overplay some plays and he got beaten sometimes where he didn't play the hash mark like he needed to off the hash, took a bad angle on too deep. If you're the too deep safety, you got to go like this and not across like that. And he got beat in the hole a couple times. But on the most part, I mean, a tackler, special teams, good person. Uh, I mean, he's a Brock Bowers of the offense. I mean, there's a good kids everywhere, but just glad we got uh, Malachi. If there's a guy that made an improvement last season, Javon Bullard, uh, he, he had some coverage issues early on, but so many clutch interceptions down the stretch in the playoffs. Yeah, you got to give him credit for really giving up a little bit by moving in the star. He's not a natural pass cover, but he's he's an unbelievable two deep or three deep safety, good run support, vicious tackler. I mean, he can put people on the ground uh, in, in an open field and really put you down. That's a bad word to use, vicious. I shouldn't say that. Uh, Ryan Day would be mad at me, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's he, he's a very talented guy, very confident, and his his uh, ability back there to make plays and, and snip out the ball by that. You watch the TCU game uh, settle, settling down and making that play at the end of the half. Any chance that TCU had was was just snuffed right there when he intercepted that and we scored again to make it 38-7. And, you know, prior to that, he made a great play over the top. One play that sticks out in my mind is against Mississippi State last year when they were threatening us and had a fourth down call and they threw a bubble screen and he came up and shed the blocker and tackled that guy in the back. It was just the kind of play you know that he's going to make. I don't know that Javon Bullard needs even more reason to be a fan favorite, but I, I had a chat with him before the season last year. And he's just one of those guys on this team that really, really appreciates being part of this. It was his dream to be a Georgia Bulldog. He grew up a Georgia fan. This means a ton to Milledgeville that he's doing this on this stage. And not all the time do these guys just fall in love with the program that way. I mean, they, they want to do well, don't get me wrong. But th this guy wants us as bad as fans do. And I think that's easy to root for. Good point. You know, I saw that when I was a coach here uh, – uh, you know, some with walk-ons that just turned down places to go on scholarship because they wanted to wear the silver britches or wear the G, you know. And uh, uh, we've got – we lose some of these in-state players now, I mean, because of NIL. And it's hard to believe, you know, Matthews went to Tennessee. I mean, you you know, you hope you can get all of these guys, but you can't. But uh, when you got somebody that you're starting out ahead like Bullard, it's hard to turn him around and go somewhere else because he wanted to be a dog all the way. We've talked a lot about Kamari Lasseter, but he's one of the most experienced players in the secondary. He was clutch last year for Georgia. You talk about a guy that really responds to coaching and knows technique and is mentally on top of everything, right position all the time. You better execute against this guy or he will he will uh, make a play on you. He, he is a, a great example of listening to coaching working hard on his craft and uh, just an uh, invaluable part of our defense. Right now, he's the starter at one corner. we got to establish one, one other one. But, man, he was solid last year, really. And he, he's starting to be even more as a dominant player out there at corner. So, uh, can't have enough Kamaris on your team. 
That's most of the experience. Uh, Tyke Smith, I guess we can go there. He's played a lot for Georgia. <laughs> yeah, you know, he hated for Tyke coming in here from uh, uh, West Virginia and then made some All-American teams as in his junior year and uh, came here. But they played a lot of zone, and then right off the bat, he was having trouble, you know, getting his uh, – you know, playing some of the, the coverages we had. And then he hurt his knee, just terrible injury. And then uh, last year he came back and really played good. He got a lot better at tackling in the open field. He never was a guy that was a support guy. He was more of a safety, but we played him at star and uh, got some good reps in there when, uh, you know, Bullard was, they take Bullard out and play him some. But uh, he, he's just, he's going to be the star starting out, but uh, he's got an Aguero I mean, this guy, I talked to you about numerous times, just a physical player that uh, has so many traits that you want in the secondary. can play safety, too. But Aguero is the closest guy, he and Harris, I think, to play in uh, this year from that uh, freshman group. Another defensive back that I think we're going to – it's going to be between uh, Everett and Humphreys and maybe Nylon Green for that other position at corner. Uh, Everett is just uh, – every time I see him, I think about Pennies from Heaven, that song, every time it rains, it rains. <laughs> we weren't in the ball game with him, and then all of a sudden Venables left to Oklahoma, and uh, this young man from Norfolk, Virginia, comes to Georgia and comes here in the spring, does a tremendous job on special teams, got a lot of reps practicing against our offense. And uh, he's going to be hard to supplant at that one corner. But I talked a couple weeks ago about Humphreys, how much he's improved physically as far as bulking up. He's got world-class speed. I mean, he's got track time. He can recover. He's gotten better at tackling. Uh, I think he's going to he's going to definitely push him. And then Nylon Green from over here and uh, close to here is is a really Connie. good player that, uh, from Connor. I heard his hamstring put him behind last year going into the end of the year but he he really did some good jobs on special teams covering punts he was right down there uh those four are the ones that are going to be the nucleus of the two deep but you got harris coming up who is the kind of guy in waiting and then you got uh those two corner two guys from charlotte who both got track speed uh, uh what's is it how do you spell it pa what is it uh to my Chris Peel. Peel and Jones. Yeah, Kyron uh, Jones. Both got good speed. One of them probably moved back to safety, but they can cross train. And they picked it up pretty quick, listening to Muschamp this summer. So, uh, and then, of course, uh, we, we got some other safeties. Uh, Daniel pronounced his last. David Daniel says, he's one that he played in every game last season, and he was a bit of the plug and play after William Poole was not with the team anymore. Just a lot of, of valuable reps for David Daniel. He reminds you of a Beal-type guy that just has been around here, be a junior, played special teams, knows how to play. He's a good tackler. Uh, it gives you good depth. And, and, of course, we got Dan Jan Jackson back who played a whole lot two years ago and then was playing last year. And we know what he can do on special teams, blocking punts, uh, protecting on different areas. He's very smart. But he's a good player back there, too. He's, he's going to have a hard time starting with those other two. But if we go to Dime and move uh, uh, Malachi to Dime or go to Nickel and move 
Bullard in there. I mean, he, I feel good about Jackson being a starter. Oh, the I other one was Rhett, or who was the other one? Yeah, Justin Rhett from Bishop Gorman out in uh, Nevada. He, he's coming in as a as a freshman. Uh, I, he may be a special teams contributor at first, but he'll be a, a depth piece moving forward, I think. Right. I think he's a little bit behind at this point, but uh, it, it, being here in early gave him some some looks where he was able to – it's nothing like being out there. I mean, you got to imagine here if you can just put yourself in a DB and you're looking at trying to cover Brock Bowers and uh, Ra Ra Thomas and Lad McConkie and all these guys, and you got Kirby and Muschamp and Fran Brown coaching you, but wanting you to make sure you tackle those guys too. And uh, it, it's kind of overwhelming there right off the bat because we do, as much as we do on offense, you know, take that catalog and make it even more on defense. We we run a humongous amount of stuff. And and uh, our coverage is that we just don't say play cover two. We say if this guy releases here, you're going to do this. If he releases here – you're going to do this. If uh, they come out in this formation, we're going to cheat off the hash here. I mean, there's a lot of little nuances there that you got to learn. I said Nylon Green was from Conyers, which may be a sin for uh, the mistake I made because he's from Covington. He's from Covington. So, yeah, he, I mean, he played Newton High School or something like that. I don't, I'm not sure, but good yeah. player I'm talking about, really good, and uh, could start for a lot of teams in the league. All these guys could uh, – that's the one thing that, as an old coach, worries me. But we've been able to keep these guys. But, you know, it's hard not to be playing when you know you're good and you could be playing somewhere else. But uh, we've been able to keep them here. And uh, they, they've realized that if you hang in here, you'll get a chance and you'll get a chance to win a ring. So we haven't lost many good players. Uh, Stevenson went to Miami, you know. and uh, But for the most part uh, – uh, these guys will hang, but I, I worry about it now because we're getting so many of them. It's just hard to see the forest for the trees. I think we touched on everyone other than uh, Ja'Cory Thomas. Who's that? Ja'Cory? No, he's another new guy and physical. Uh, he, he'll, he'll help us down the road. All these guys play on special teams. Yeah, there's that. And then even with the factor of star, I mean, we've seen potentially – uh, a guy like Darius Smith gets some reps at star. There's the versatility that some of those linebackers could drop back to. Yeah, one of the things that Schumann likes to do is mess with the defense uh, a little bit and, and screw around with the offensive mind. And they think, well, you can't play nickel with this group in here because you got a regular linebacker in there, or outside guy. And then you go out there and play a coverage where Adam Anderson or, or the, in this case, uh, Darius Smith is the is the nickel, and you've got a play called to attack that area thinking that you got uh, nobody playing the flat and now all of a sudden you got a good flat cover guy and he's not a guy that's going to play a lot of man or but it, as a change up it, it's kind of like the offense if you just get the uh, tune in with me here fans the offense comes out with regular people in the game two backs three two receivers and a tight end and then all of a sudden shifts one of the backs out to give you look like you got 11 personnel in and they, they don't have nickel in the game. And, and you've got a guy like Milton or for us in the past, you know, cook or somebody out there on a linebacker or safety and they haven't substituted for it. 
Same thing with Schumann. Now he hasn't substituted to make you think that they're playing nickel or dime, but he can play it. I mean, that scenario you're talking about, that's how LSU was so great in 2019 was that versatility. Do you think that some of the research and, and the postmortems that happen after seasons like that, did Georgia respond to it and say, we have to have enough versatility that if anyone does that to us, that we're still fine out there? Yeah, I think that that and the fact that we, we realize we got to play more zone inside the 15-yard line, which Landing and Schumann and those guys – studied it and you just can't play man coverage inside the, the red zone all the time because the myriad of picks that you get and the different formations you just get uh you saw it to happen to the philadelphia eagles in the super bowl they got they were put a guy in motion and they thought they were switching it off and the guy went back out in the flat and nobody was on him so uh zone checkups are good uh, spot drops the other thing that we added because of the quarterback draw was where we we would play two man, but we'd also have a guy that was playing uh, a radar on the quarterback. So you could we'd like to play two man, which is man under where uh, you can play man, but you got two safeties behind them. So the problem there is if the quarterback runs the draw, you don't have anybody on run support. So we added that little call there where somebody was spying on the quarterback where we could play two man or play two zone and still have somebody on the quarterback. That's as much uh, terminology as I'm going to give you today because I think maybe I might be talking too much about stuff that people aren't interested in. I'm interested in it because when you're talking about these picks in the red zone, the image that comes to my brain is Clemson's national championship win where it's Deshaun Watson to Hunter Renfro and it's an obvious pick play, but the ref not going to call it in that situation unless it's egregious. And so how can you defend it where he doesn't get that open? There's no one at that corner like that. Yeah. Unless it's us against Georgia tech against Joe Hamilton, we told him, <laughs> we told him for the play that they were going to do it. And, and walked out on the field and uh, pointed to the uh, official over there and said, in case the referee doesn't tell you, this guy's going to pick us here, call it. And they didn't call it. Did they say anything back or just kind of look at you sideways? Just winked at George O'Leary. <laughs> well, if uh, if you want just make, to – Just make sure you're going to take me to the Hall of Fame up there, George, which they did. They took two of those refs to the Hall of Fame that year, paid for everything. So that's a pretty good trip for them. Sounds that way. Um, if you are interested in potentially changing careers – I have the person you need to talk to. Coach, you're a Braves fan. I, I don't know how much baseball you're watching these days, but former Braves Every pitcher. Night. Every night. Former Braves pitcher Brandon Beachy is a part of my perfect franchise. So you, he consults with them. You can talk with him about uh, becoming a franchise owner, changing careers, being your own boss, setting your own hours, all the things that sound so great. Brandon Beachy can help set that up. He works with Andy Ledecky with My Perfect Franchise. Uh, Beachy was such a great pitcher for the Braves for uh, quite a few years. And the Braves just added, I think, three relievers yesterday. So uh, they're doing some job changes themselves with the Atlanta Braves. Check out My Perfect Franchise and see the different job options that may work for you uh, and may be the career change that you need right now. It's a good time to get that set up for your future. Go talk to them. There's nothing to lose by just uh, exploring the process and seeing if it's for you. Uh, also, 
if you are uh, really anywhere in the southeast and craving some lunch right now, your pie. I had the peach and prosciutto, the specialty uh, pizza on Sunday, and it was great. Got it here at the Watkinsville location. There are so many great options over at your pie. The lineage, the great white, which is extra virgin olive oil, ricotta, feta, mozzarella, and garlic. Uh, if you want a little bit of heat, the buffalo chicken or the hot honey pepperoni, you can get it any way you want. You don't have to have the debate of who wants what uh, on their pizza with your family. You can get your own personal pizza. I like using the app because you get great rewards through it. And uh, you know you're supporting people that uh, love UGA. Drew and Natalie French founded Your Pie 15 years ago after some inspiration from a trip in Italy. Uh, that's where Rodney Nabalsi is uh, right now is out toward Italy. He should be back here for uh, fall camp as it begins. Uh, but if you want to channel your inner Italy, find the Your Pie nearest you and check it out. Coach, I know we'll have some uh, over at the uh, Watch Along Studios when we begin the UGA Sports Watch Along show. Hard to beat, but, uh, you know, one thing we can give Roddy credit for, uh, he, he went overseas and we got the number one linebacker in the country last night. So that was a good job, Roddy. What do you know about him? I know we had a lot of coverage last night on Rumors versus Facts of this recruitment for UGA, uh, but just continued stellar recruiting with uh, – this is Justin Williams, five-star linebacker committed to Georgia. Yeah, the one thing that I like about him, he, he, he was, started out as a safety, so you know he's got really good speed. He's grown into the linebacker. He's getting bigger. But if you watch the tape on him, he's sideline to sideline guy. He, you know, got the kind of speed. And and what, what you got to have now at linebacker, it's not the old days where you're playing in a phone booth. You got to be able to cover. You, you just can't be a guy that can uh, tackle and all that. You got to read routes. You got to spot drop, go the right place. You got to match routes uh, based on the way they come out. And when you got these athletes that have that kind of speed to go with their physical prowess, that just puts you in a great position there. And, you know, we continue to put linebacker after linebacker in the league, and part of it is their ability, but also the coaching they get here because they know they've been trained to play the type of coverages that they're going to have to be a part of when they go to the league. Rhett uh, Womack in our comments says, am I the only guy not going to Italy this year? Nick Saban went. Uh, Kirby Smart didn't because he was doing his Mississippi baseball uh, for his yeah, basketball teams over there. Uh, I'm glad to see them doing a good job over there, uh, beating whoever they're playing, but uh, it, it's good for the camaraderie of the players to get to know each other when you got a new team. Uh, looks like they're eating pretty well over there too, but uh, I, I'm really excited about coach Wyatt and what he brings to the table and, and the uh, kind of players he's starting to generate here uh, should be exciting year for Georgia. If you have questions, you can throw them in the chat. If you're watching live, we'll get to some from our members over at UGASports.com in a second. Coach, I wanted to combine kind of two thoughts that we've touched on a little bit in this show. You mentioned that just as a coach in terms of roster management, you always have that worry of how do you keep such talented players if maybe they're not playing as much as they would want to. Everyone wants to play every snap. I get that. Uh, but I wanted to bring that back to with that quarterback for Georgia – we're going to talk about quarterback stuff a lot. It's what we do as media. Um, everyone is always interested in it. So you'll hear about Carson Beck. You'll hear about Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton. But just this era of college football that we're in, I almost think it's more crucial than ever for the offensive coordinator, the play caller, to be kind of a master of sociology in the sense that 
more games are, are played than have ever been played before if you're a championship contender. Uh, going to be even added with the ex- expansion of the playoff. But then also the running back or the quarterback position is more physical than ever. So I almost think that we're getting into an era that uh, it's not that your backup just needs to be ready. Uh, they need to be invested the whole time. I, I think most teams are going to need multiple quarterbacks to survive these seasons. Uh, you're always one play away from being the starter, whatever position you make. But you just look at Nussbar coming in there in the uh, championship game for uh, – Jaden Daniels for LSU. Uh, most teams are going to ha- in the old days. You you had two or three quarterbacks, but the transfer portal is pretty obvious. If you just look at around our league, how many guys are starting at or, or quarterbacks somewhere else. So uh, it's just the the thing that Kirby does, which I try to do, is every week you tell a player where he stands. And one of the fir- worst things you can do as a parent as a coach, as a teacher, or even in your business, is tell somebody they're going to get a break or get to do this and then don't let them do it. Uh, you know, false hope is is really terrible. False praise is even worse. So if they're not doing what they need to, tell them. But everybody likes to be patted on the back. But uh, Thursday for us is always a deal about where we you talk to every player position coach spends a little time goes over his academic situation and because you got to talk to the guys that aren't playing as much as the guys that are and tell them why they're not tell them you've been watching them on tape this is what they need to work out and uh, you know if things get going good we might get you in the game but uh as compared to look we're going to need more depth this week you're going to play your ass needs to be ready to go uh you know just i know you've been practicing and i'm, I'm counting on you we're going to call on you early here. So that, that's the way you do it. Just tell them where, where they stand and go from there. You mentioned the academic side of it. Fall camp does begin next week, but just the way the semesters align, summer finals for the through term are next week. And so th- there are players that have a lot going on to wrap up their summer classes, start fall camp, and then get ready for fall classes. Yeah, that's all. That's always an issue. Hey, hey coach, I need to study for this exam. <laughs> Can I miss practice? Hey, that, that's one thing. But if if you really think that they need it, you talk to the academic people, and then you know practice is not worth it if he's not going to do well on the courts. But I always felt like if you did your work throughout the summer and did the preparation, all you're going to do is review. And then you're taking a test and stuff you already know. You're not going to really get that much out of it the day before. Uh, but it, we, there is a little bit of a crossover there that uh, some of these guys, because the, some of their tests might be when the uh, practice is scheduled, but they try to work around that a little bit. And they, you know, all of a sudden, if you got eight guys taking a test at two thirty on Thursday, you're not going to schedule practice. You'll move it back to three thirty or four or something like that. Yeah, I, I've heard coaches say that that first week of fall camp, you kind of get your feet under you. But that next about two weeks before classes really begin, that's when you can get a lot of work done because the focus can be on the football at that stage. And uh, we're not in professional sports. you you got to take in the mental drain of going to class, which that's what you're supposed to do. But the, the time consumed walking across campus, uh, coming back and forth uh, to and from the facility, all that is uh, uh, the physical and mental part of making sure that you're ready to go. Uh, and the coach, you got to take that into account as far as how he's going to 
prepare his team for that first game, you know, putting a little more hammer down, cutting it back, how much you're going to go one versus one, how much tackling you're going to do in this scrimmage, or special teams going to be live, all these things. As a head coach, you got to got a feel for it based on exactly how your team is reacting to the, the stress you're putting them under. We talk about versatility on Georgia's football team. I want to mention the versatility that you get with our friends over at Dead Soxy. doesn't matter what kind of socks that you prefer. I promise you they have something that works for you. I tend to like the low-cut, the no-show socks, uh, and so that's what I tend to wear. I, I wear tennis shoes pretty much every day because I can uh, with the jobs that I have. But if you need to have some dress socks, maybe you like some that have a little bit more flair to them, some personality, Dead Socks is a really cool brand for you. Their team colorways, they have some Georgia colors. Uh, you can get a variety pack, even some that just look like Georgia Silver Britches. It will be great. They're a great company that has worked with UGASports.com for a while. Uh, Coach and I both have had Dead Soxy and uh, really can tell you the quality of the socks that you get from them. So just go look at what they have on their website. They have deals uh, on a regular basis that can save you a little money on it. And it's a great gift if there's someone in your life you don't know to get them. That's deadsoxy.com. Yeah, you got to take care of your feet. I mean, any way you look at it, uh, you put on some bad socks that don't – I mean, there's nothing worse than that. Same thing in practice. I used to tell our players, uh, blisters, there's no reason to get blisters. If you're if you're having trouble with your shoes at practice, I want you to come over and tell me, and we're going to go get you another pair. I don't want to hear after practice that you had a blister. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a poor excuse. Uh, let's get the questions from our friends at UGASports.com. Billy Zane has one that goes right along with what we were discussing uh, before that commercial break. He says, I understand that freshmen have extra staff and resources to help them to adjust to life as a college student athlete, but uh, are there additional staffers or coaches that specifically are assigned to help them acclimate to Georgia football, or is it just you're now sink or swim thrown in the fire of what a college practice is? Good question by Billy, and uh, certainly we do. Uh, every coach has an analyst that works with him. Most of them have a, a GA or a, uh, or a uh, student assistant, and th- these young men will help them, uh, help the freshmen or people, and say, look, uh, like let's just say Dale McGee's got a back, and he, he thinks he needs a little extra, and – He's got to do this. He'll say, "Look, I want you to get with Dane Young here, and he's going to go over these things with you. Uh, we're going to, you're going to go out on the field early today, and he's going to step you through it." Now, Coach McGee will do that some too, but he's got to take care of the other guys. But you got to make sure that these guys have the potential to know what to do and then learn it before you put them out there in the field of fire, because you got to know blitz pickup and nothing worse than the go out there and then your quarterback get hit from the blind side because a young guy doesn't know how to protect. So, uh, but accordingly, we, we have, for instance, like a freshman, uh, the, the first day of classes, they'll, before the classes, they'll have somebody assigned to each guy and they'll take them on a tour of how to get to their classes, where to get on the bus, show them where the class is because there's nothing worse than saying, Hey, I couldn't find the class. Hey, that's, that's not worth it. You can't have that. So they, they just really uh, preventing a problem by helping them out a little bit because they got a lot invested in them. And, uh, you know, the regular student 
uh, has plenty of time to do that too because of his friends and he's in a fraternity or whatever it might be. They they'll show him around, but it is kind of overwhelming here when you come to a campus like this and you got to get somewhere between classes and uh, there's some shortcuts and there's some ways to do it. But uh, that's why we got people. Jonas Jennings has a staff and uh, you know, they do, they do a good job of, uh, of working hard with them to make sure they're at class and uh, spot checking these classes. They'll go around and see if so-and-so and they've got an app on their phone. I think they still use it tells you if the guy's in class too. So that's pretty good. There's a, a lot of former players on staff that, that I think that's helpful for those kind of acclimation situations. Jawan Taylor, former linebackers on staff over there. Um, I haven't heard Warren Erickson may be hanging around potentially. Yeah, Warren's ball. been helping. Warren's been helping the old line. Uh, he's trying to. I think he had a workout with Denver. I hadn't heard about that. I have. I'll go over there. You know, first of next week. But uh, you know, uh, Javaris is out there. There's a lot of good guys. I mean. Uh, Good, good guys. Question from UJ alum 95. He's uh, got a follow-up on Justin Williams and that commitment. Coach, do you think that he's more of the next Roquan Smith or N'Kobe Dean, or is there a better comparison? Uh, both of those very lofty. Those are great players. Yeah, I try to keep from making comparisons because I don't want to put any heat on the guy, but he certainly has the traits to be a big-time linebacker because of his speed. You're not rated the number one linebacker by every group I'm talking about ours as rivals, the others I don't keep up with. But I heard somebody last night, he's, he was a consensus number one linebacker among all recruiting sites. So all those guys couldn't be wrong. So uh, he's, he's definitely got a lot of the attributes and size that Roquan had. You know, he's bigger than the Kobe. D.W. Burnett, he says, with Smile Munden being injured, do you see Xavier Story stepping into that position, or will he be passed on the depth chart by someone else, maybe a Jalen Walker or even one of the true freshmen? Yeah, uh, you know, Story's got some ability. He's, he's got to step it up, though. He's got some guys breathing down his neck. He's just not going to get that job because he's an upperclassman. Jalen missed spring. He'll be out there. And then, as he mentioned, these freshman linebackers uh, look like uh, – some of the ones that are starting for. So it'll be a good situation for all of those guys because they can, they can understand that the, that the opportunities there is going to be based on performance, not potential. Kind of like when uh, we saw uh, Darnell go down last year and Delp stepped in there and took advantage of it. You know, he came in there and uh, really learned what to do. And uh, he did a lot in the spring when Bowers was out too. So uh, I like, the fact that we got some talent to play at that position and they'll, uh, they'll get some uh, good experience against some lesser teams early on. The spot that Xavier Sori is in to me feels a lot like what Tresman Marshall was in where you'll get some playing time. You'll get in there and rotate. But you so gotta, you're saying he's going to transfer to Alabama and be a starter? I, I'm not going that far. I don't know where he might transfer. I was bust. I think I'm happy for Tresman. He played good for us, special teams and all that, but it does say a little bit about our team when the guys – in between second and third on our depth chart and starting for Alabama. I mean, if I had told you that five years ago, would you have believed it? No, but uh, I, I knew we were on the right track. I knew that. 
question from Chris Landino. He says, does the worst kept secret of Glenn Schumann leaving for a head coaching gig in the next year or two get mentioned in the recruiting scope? He's wondering if kids like Williams that have been pitched by other schools, do they use that to recruit against Georgia that you hear all the time that you should be committing to a school and not a coach. But uh, Chris is wondering if coach, if you have any experience in the past with how to handle when other teams are kind of rumoring that that position coach is next in line to be a head coach. Well, in the case of, uh, of, of this recruitment, uh, Dan Lanning was a guy that was in on him tight. You heard him say his name several times in the, uh, when he was talking about why he liked Oregon. And uh, of course, everybody knows Dan was here. Uh, one of the ways that we work it here that I feel like they do a tremendous job of it. When a guy comes in for an official visit, he just doesn't meet with Glenn Schumann or position coach. He, he gets to know all those guys. And it was kind of like when uh, Lanning left right there, right before the bowl, for the championship game. And we had Michael and uh, Jones in there, Marvin Jones, and they were both tight with Dan. I mean, there's no question about it, but Kirby, that weekend just did a really good job of saying, look, we're going to have a good coach here in that position. Uh, we, we've always replaced coaches, and he showed showed them who he had before and who came in. He said, I've got a rich pool of guys that want to coach here. I'm going to be here. And you look at – you wouldn't want to leave here and not come because of an assistant coach. You could take, go to another place and the same thing happened, and uh, you'd be left without the head coach you like. So – it's something you got to fight a little bit, but uh, I know it's going to have to be a really good job for Glenn to leave because he loves it here. His family's from around here. He's making a lot of money too, but uh, you know, he, he's got some good players on his uh, roster that he's going to train. So uh, I, you can't get, we're going to lose guys to being head coaches. That's just the way it is. It is. But I also think that's one of the brilliant moves by Will Muschamp and Mike Bobo being around. They've done that path before. Maybe they're more likely to want to stay and have the comfort of, of knowing that they right. have a spot here for a you know, while. You're not going to chase something just to go be a head coach again. But in the case of of uh, Kirby just showing everybody this has been the way we've done it, we continue to recruit good players at these positions. This is, I think this is the third outside linebacker coach we've had uh, – Started out with Shearer, and then Lanning took his place, and then and I think it's the third secondary coach. Uh, fourth, uh, we had uh, four secondary coaches. So, uh, but you can also fall back on say, "Hey, we got Muschamp here; he's going to be here." Uh, it's definitely a good question, but one of the things that I always tell somebody is uh, that's recruiting. Uh, getting a little bit of negative recruiting or whatever it might be and say, look, tell them to talk about their own product. You know, you know us, you know what we're all about. They they don't, they don't know what we got here. Ask them if they've ever met so-and-so who's our other defensive coach here or, you know, I I don't think it's an issue really. And it certainly didn't bother this young man. He, he, he came right out. He said, I want to be developed. I want to go against the competition. I want to, I want to compete against the best, and uh, hey, I like to hear that. Coach, here's a bit of news that has been published since we started the show just now. Ross Dellinger, uh, newest reporter for Yahoo Sports, which is connected to Rivals. Uh, this is he says sources say that Michigan's Jim Harbaugh and the NCAA are working toward a four-game suspension 
over a recruiting investigation. Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh and the NCAA are working toward the negotiated resolution that's expected to see him suspended four games this season for penalties stemming from uh, alleged false statements that he made to investigators with the NCAA. Yeah, they came in there and talked to him about uh, their uh, their uh, supervised practices. I think as compared to non-supervised and who was on the who was watching the players practice and uh i think that's where they might have got him on something little technicality who knows but uh, i'm sure he can figure it out if they play anything like their non-conference schedule last year they'll be okay but they ought to get them and hey you got to level with them uh and i'm glad we got ross working for rivals now Uh, he's a good uh scoop guy that's that's good to hear well, those first four games for Michigan that Harbaugh would miss if this is the case, uh, and it still has to be finalized, which could uh, take some maybe even a couple weeks, uh, but they don't have long. Uh, Michigan's first four games, uh, East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, all at home. Well, he probably could go uh, you know, go to his brother and watch the Colts, watch the Ravens play and help Munkin out. He could, he could take a month's vacation, I think, that the result would still be the same in those games. Yeah, I mean, East Carolina is really on the move. Uh, Rutgers is better. Uh, UNLV, new coach. Uh, who was the other one? Uh, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, East Carolina. Bowling Green, long way. Long way to go. <laughs> uh, well, we don't have a long way to go because uh, we're out of time on this show. Unless you had a joke, Coach, I didn't ask you beforehand. Uh, no, no jokes here, but, uh, I, I just want to encourage everybody. I, I mean, I heard somebody talking about when I was getting up at Chick-fil-A the other day, but you know, somebody in the other, but God, Georgia's got a terrible schedule. And, um, you know, what are we going to do? And all that. look, just, just got to understand that there's nothing you can do about it, but why not go watch the dogs play? It's going to be a happening. See some of these young guys get out there. And, and see the potential for the future, you know, enjoy the tailgate, whatever it might be. Uh, you only got 12 games a year plus the playoffs and all that. So 34-1, uh, and one, don't be griping about the schedule. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, but I do feel like that, uh, like Kirby said, play it. Because we got some teams that won two of their, you know, like South Carolina won two out of their last three, including – against top 10 teams, uh, you know, uh, early on, uh, Vanderbilt came on strong, beat Kentucky, uh, you know, uh, beat Florida. So it's, it's just not a lay down there. Uh, but, you know, and, of course, Ole Miss was 8-0, uh, you, you know, Auburn, new coach. So, uh, and, of course, we got to go play the balls up there. And, uh, you know, one of the other things that just kind of – I don't know if it chapped my butt, but it may – didn't make me mad, but made me maybe mad. needled you a little bit. Is that made how it a little bit? How they're jumping up and down like this is the recruiting class of the century, and they're ranked eighth or ninth. If we were ranked eighth or ninth, people be cutting their throat down here in recruiting. But balls, I mean, they've done good, and uh, I, I really like uh, Hypo, uh, what he's doing. He's a, he's a good coach, and uh, but. You just measure success differently, I guess. But people around here, if we weren't one or two in recruiting, they'd want to know what was wrong, wouldn't they? I mean, at this stage, for sure, with the precedent that's been set, if you see a dip in it, there'll be some complaints. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's it's going to be it's going to be a good year uh, to just enjoy it. 
you know, you know, I always, I mean, I like to play a tough schedule when I was playing tennis matches, but I like it once in a while. I want to have somebody out there. I knew they throw my racket out there and win too. I mean, occasionally, you know, well, I mean, we've watched this game long enough that uh, the talent, most talented team doesn't always win. Right. And you so, can lose, you can lose. And, uh, but our team's going to get a lot of practice against each other, which, as we've said numerous times, you're going against as good as you'll play against. So, uh, uh, but you know, deep down, everybody was talking about LSU, LSU, but deep down, those same writers picked Alabama again, didn't they? Sure did. They sure did. Must have been the same ones that voted for Vanderbilt. Uh, wasn't me. I promise you that. I do not think that Vanderbilt will win the SEC East. That is a take that I can feel very confident in. Who are you picking for the? Uh, well, you knew they changed their name from the Commodores to the Possums. Can't, <laughs> well, play, can't play dead at home and get killed on the road. <laughs> and you said you didn't have jokes. You always have one in the holster. Uh, when we chat uh, next week, Coach, I believe Roddy will be back with us. We'll have uh, some fall camp action and seasons right here. So I'm excited for yeah. it. Always a pleasure to, uh, to do this show with you, Coach. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, Roddy's got to understand he's got some high standards, man. You you just went ahead of him here the last two weeks. Uh, I'm probably going to be farmed out. You two guys will take over. You you run this show. Uh, I just come on and try to set you up and get the stories and get the jokes out of you because that's that's what I love doing. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.